Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance. And I'm Jeremy. And today, we are reminiscing, once again, on the the event that was San Diego Comic-Con 2023. Jeremy, I'm still reeling from all the stuff we got to do. I was like, I'm thinking it was like weeks ago, you know, like on the one hand, I feel like it was just last weekend. On the other hand, I feel like it was months ago. So it just kind of goes back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Time time is a weird soup. There's no time is a weird anything. Soup. It's anymore. a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> but today, specifically for this issue, we wanted to uh, share the roundtable interview that we discussed in our recap episode from San Diego Comic-Con a few episodes ago. If you haven't listened to that, please check it out. But Jeremy and I were able to sit in on a roundtable panel with Robert Kirkman, with Daniel Warren Johnson, with Joshua Williamson, and Sean Makowitz. And we'll get into what you should know them from very soon. But this is a heavy hitter panel all about the Energon universe that is going on over at Skybound. It's probably one of the biggest things that are about that's about to explode really in comics. It's a huge intellectual property that honestly like if if the exclusives from Comic-Con are any indication for the popularity the series is about to enjoy, I think that we're in for quite a renaissance for Transformers and in, in the comic format and perhaps beyond so it's super exciting i kind of want to jump back to when we were prepping really for san diego comic-con and we found out that there was going to be an energon panel so of course we put that on our list of things we wanted to do but jeremy you got an email uh you want to talk about what that email entailed yeah i mean uh it was more so of course, being um, the the editor-in-chief of the Geekly Grind, I try to get us into all the rooms that I can. Um, <laughs> and so when I when I knew that this was going to happen, I, I did get an email from, uh, you know, Skybound's uh, PR essentially saying that they were going to have uh, roundtable interviews with uh, all of these amazing talents. And so, you know, I, I said, I, I threw my hat in, I threw our hat in, right. To say, Hey, let's, you know, we want to be part of this conversation and uh, you know, they were prompt to reply and, and get it locked in. And so um, this was uh, scheduled to be immediately after uh, the Energon uh, universe panel that we, uh, we, we kind of covered the timing of it uh, during the recap uh, as well. But yeah, so just being able to get into uh, that experience um, is amazing because it's not always a given, you know, especially with roundtables. Sometimes there's a lot of media interest. Uh, sometimes there's just not enough seats at the table for everybody or tables. Um, sometimes the talent doesn't have time. You know, they might only have time for one roundtable. And that's kind of what the, the case was here. So if we didn't make it to that very small roundtable, you know, we wouldn't have been there. <laughs> so uh, it it was really, really amazing. We were in a room with, so let's break this down. So Robert Kirkman, if you don't know the name immediately, the writer, creator of The Walking Dead, Invincible, and now currently going on in the Energon Universe Void Rivals. There was Daniel Warren Johnson, who is just coming off of an Eisner winning uh, series and do a powerbomb. You should absolutely also know him from Murder Falcon, as well as Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, um, among a huge host of other titles. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, you have to know them from Argonstar. Uh, Lisa <laughs> and Brad would kill us if we didn't mention that. It's their favorite. 
It's true. Uh, Joshua Williamson, who you might know from Nailbiter, Dark Ride, and DC's Dark Crisis, he has a huge list of of work. I, too many to name here. And then rounding out the panel as well as the roundtable is Skybound Senior Vice President and Editor-in-Chief Sean Makowitz, whose job was basically to make sure nobody said anything they weren't supposed to say and also make these little comments here and there about... Uh, that's not a thing or we don't yeah. have the rights to this particular thing. <laughs> that fool was stressed out the whole time. He was okay. like, we don't have rights to that. No, that's not right. No, we're not claiming this. It was, it's, it's a very high stress job working those things, keeping Robert Kirkman and Daniel Warren Johnson in line. <laughs> I, I think Robert Kirkman was also very concerned about getting anything leaked out. It was more the concern with Joshua and Daniel. Saying Daniel that's true. They, they were more excited about the properties. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's true. Jo- and you'll, you'll hear this in the audio we're about to play, but Joshua really couldn't say anything about his work because we, we do have the reveal that in Void Rivals, in the end of issue one, Jetfire shows up and he flies away. And that leads directly into what we're getting with Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers. And mm-hmm. Daniel Warren Johnson is writing and illustrating that series, which is going to be incredible. We got to get the ash can at San Diego Comic-Con and no words. So we don't know any of the text or what they're saying, but... The action is there. We got Optimus Prime doing power bombs. Very fitting for Daniel coming off of do a power bomb, and then Transformers is going to directly lead into GI Joe. And because we haven't had the official release of Transformers, we don't really get to talk too much about GI Joe except for the base foundation. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's not really a, a lot to. Uh, discuss when it comes to G.I. Joe just yet because so much of it is still behind like a couple layers of of narrative that needs to like those gates effectively need to be raised before we can start beginning to talk about Duke and Cobra Commander. Um, So like it's it's just really um, that's why Josh was having to speak in very broad generalities. And it's kind of a bummer because as you'll hear in the recording, uh, you know, Lisa asks a really great question. I thought uh, on on basically, you know, what makes a GI Joe a GI Joe, and Josh just can't get into it. I think he would really want to, but like, you can't get into all of those details. So, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what the property looks like when it arrives. After we play the audio, we'll get into why I am now excited about GI Joe because GI Joe really has never been a franchise that I was that interested in. It like I'm a '90s kid, so GI Joe wasn't really in the limelight at that point. My dad had G.I. Joe's, but I could have cared less. But I am very excited about G.I. Joe within the Energon universe. But Jeremy, I think we should talk a little bit about what we have so far in the Energon universe. We have the first two issues of Void Rivals already out. Issue three is coming out, I think, the week or is it the Wednesday that this episode drops? So this Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. It's coming out on August 16th. Yeah. Yeah, so as you're listening to this, if you're listening on Drop Day... <laughs> Run to your LCS right now. <laughs> Go get it. Find Void Rivals 1 and 2. Find Second Prince, Third Prince, whatever. Because uh, you probably can't find First Prince. <laughs> right, if you can find the Daniel Warren Johnson variants, good luck. Oh, boy. I've got one. I've got one in my box. <laughs> yeah, oh, but we don't have the one that's like the 1 in 100. Oh, that's true. That's true. That that's, thing a, is- that's, a, that's cool. 
It's a beastly book. But so we have first two issues so far of Void Rivals that we've both read, as well as being able to look through that Transformers ash can. So the premise behind Void Rivals is that there are these two warring factions in space, and they are trying to allocate resources. They've been told that the other faction is uh, horrible and is completely the opposite of who they are as people. They believe in completely different things. The events of Void Rivals basically have two lone astronauts, two lone space travelers from each of these factions through a series of events end up on a uh, an isolated planet with limited resources and they discover that they might not be as different as they initially thought. There, of course, is a bit of a, a rebellious streak in uh, the main uh, male character's name is uh, Drak, I believe. Um, yeah. And so, you know, he has a kind of a rebellious streak in terms of like, hey, like I wasn't ordered to come and like die on this planet. So uh, he definitely places his survival a bit higher than, you know, reinforcing uh, the uh, centuries long hatred for this other race that nobody really knows why they hate each other anymore. It's just been, uh, you know, uh, tribal knowledge and, um, you know, old wives tales and just just sort of like institutionalized hatred for this other uh this other group uh and yeah so they begin to reluctantly work together and as lance said you know they uh seem to have a lot more in common than initially thought and it begins to pull at the uh edges of whatever this broader tapestry of war that's been going on forever and ever um and it starts to fall apart. The female character in the storyline, Solila, is, is is a warrior. And she is kind of going for the jugular initially against, uh, is it Durak? I That's how I would pronounce it in my head. But I'm okay. sure, uh, yeah, Durak is kind of how I'm going for it. Gotcha. As they are kind of going up against each other, there's the huge reveal that the ship that they find starts to come alive. And flies away from the planet. It transforms and we learn it's jet fire that has been on this planet for who knows how long. And he heads straight towards uh, it, it, it's Earth, because right? Because that's where the Transformers are. Yeah, well, still jet fire refers to Cybertron. Like right. he knows he's been asleep for a long time and he says like he's, you know. He's like, he's wondering what's happened to Cybertron, but I didn't, I don't recall if he's actually headed to Earth or if he just thinks like, oh, I've been, I've been gone for too long and maybe is trying to head to Cybertron. I didn't cut. I don't remember that part. Right. Because we don't have too many details in the Transformers Ashcan because again, there is no text to anything. And what we do see in that Ashcan is Jetfire showing up, Transformers and Decepticons alike are in pieces in this, like a larger ship, like mm-hmm. warehouse type thing, they start to be reanimated and immediately start throwing down. And I'm I'm assuming it's Starscream that Optimus is fighting. It looks yes. like Starscream. It looks like Starscream. Yeah, yeah. And we get to see Transformers move in ways we have never gotten to see them in a comic book, uh, because something that Daniel said on a live stream on his uh, YouTube channel, which everyone go watch. I think it's just called Daniel Warren Johnson art or Daniel Warren art on YouTube. It's great. He streams mostly every Friday, but he talks about developing the way he wants transformers to move. 
and it in, it includes him <laughs> looking back at Galaxy Quest, that the movie with um, Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman and everything. But it's it's that rock monster that they face, and he uses that as the foundation of how limbs should be moving with a transformer, which is hilarious. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it, it he he did speak uh, quite a bit about um you know, not necessarily in the panel but just in general like uh, you know, in, in those um streams that he does which again, I would definitely also uh, encourage you to check out. I think they're called D-dubs, like Friday with D-dubs or something like that. Yes. And you know, just talking about refining the the G1 style uh that he uses for transformers and just how, you know, the uh the more rigid he tried to make it the worse it looked and so just being able to to approach it with a bit more um uh flexibility while also making sure that autobot and decepticon icons were in the right place and looked the right way which uh was um you know a bit of a pain point but uh yeah it's really really cool to kind of see these early um iterations of or rather, you know, seeing this ash can, seeing how it all kind of has come to fruition in this comic, uh, and definitely makes me excited to see uh, future issues as well. Absolutely. And then we have Void Rivals Two, which uh, continues the story of our two lone space. Uh, I don't. Even, what would you? What would we even call them? Like ex- they're not explorers. They're <laughs> they're soldiers. I mean, like yeah, they're soldiers. They're just you know pilots. They're pilots. Our They're two pilots. pilots. But but they are working together now to try and get off this planet. They put together a rocket that looks like it is going to fall apart at any moment. They are able to get out into space. And the issue ends with a character finding them. And I will not say what character that is because it also applies to lore from one of these other properties that are a part of this universe. So we'll keep that under wraps. Go out and read Void Rivals 1 and 2. Transformers number 1 is going to be coming out, I believe, in October of this year. But if you want to spend a lot of money on eBay, you can try and get the Ashcan. Tell you right now, no words. There's no words in it. So just the pictures. Yeah. It's beautiful. Just though. pictures. Just it great. is. And, and I, I know I mentioned it kind of in passing earlier, but you know, if, if you are a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive junkie, um, and did not get an opportunity to attend this year. Uh, you probably have seen by now that the the Skybound booth on the whole crushed it this year when it Killed came it. to the exclusives. Like every day they had something amazing. They had Greg Capullo's Invincible on preview night. They had Trad Moore uh, on Thursday. They had names. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't. I can't think. Kyle Kubert Kubert. Um, is it Andy? Andy Andy Cooper. Yeah. Andy Cooper did battle beast on Friday and then Saturday was Rose Bash's, uh, uh, Adam Eve, which was of all the days, the craziest day. And the only day I wasn't able to get a copy and my sister wanted one so badly and I feel so bad. Um, and then, uh, Sunday, uh, Valentina, I think it was like Francisca Valentina did a Adam Eve cover as well. So, um, all those days, super popular, but the obviously the crown jewel of the weekend was the Transformers and Void Rival pairing, both Daniel Warren Johnson covers. Uh, and those books, you know, there was a large inventory of them when the booth opened on Wednesday, and they were 
all gone by like early Saturday, like very early Saturday or late Friday. I don't recall exactly, but it was absolutely like the book to get. Um, And so uh, we happened to luck out at this panel as well. Again, if you haven't listened to the recap episode, uh, we lucked out with an even more exclusive version of the Transformers Ashcan, which is the black and white cover. And this book is going for upwards of $350 raw. Um, So it is highly sought after. We are both extremely uh, grateful um, and gracious, of course, to Skybound for providing uh, such an awesome exclusive to fans who went to check out the Energon Universe panel. Exclusives wise, absolutely amazing. Now, as we are about to hand you over to the audio from this super fun panel uh, where we got to talk with these creators for about 20 minutes. We were not the only ones in the room. It's a round table. So we had people around us also asking questions. I was thrilled to go into my first round table with creators with some very good friends of ours. Brad and Lisa from Combo Couples Counseling were right there beside us, kind of definitely coaching me through uh, what a round table is like. And I could not be more appreciative of both of them. They are incredible. We had so much fun hanging out the entire weekend. You will hear their voices asking questions. I think Lisa is the first one to even ask a question in the round table. Then uh, Jeremy, aside from that, who else was there with us? Um, so right to my right, I believe at the table, uh, we were joined by, uh, Jace, uh, Millam, uh, from the comic source. So, uh, he is a producer and host of, uh, you know, comic podcast and, and general comic news. Uh, and so he is, uh, there as well. I think he also was familiar with, uh, Brad and Lisa and their work. So they kind of had a quick bond, uh, right off the bat. Um, so that was really cool. And it's always a really fun experience in these roundtables, getting to connect with other um, creators and, and folks in the space, too. And then you, uh, we had one other. Rounding out the roundtable is Hip Hop Gamer. So at Hip Hop Gamer on Twitter, on social media, or I guess I'm not calling it X. Uh, it's on Twitter. Um, so he is also like a like a radio personality and he, he does have a lot of personality. So you will you will feel that through the audio. You will know who he is right away. (laughs) (laughs) So listen in on the interview with Robert Kirkman, Daniel Warren Johnson, Joshua Williamson, and Sean Makowitz. Enjoy. Hi, good to see you. Good to see everybody. Good to see you. So are we we starting? Go. You guys dive in. Go. Yeah. Um, I love how um, we start with Jetfire with the Transformers because the nature of Jetfire being a scientist. And I think one of the things that's so enticing and so beautiful about the Transformers is that mutual curiosity of we are curious about the Transformers, but they're also curious. The Autobots are also curious about us. So I would love for you to talk about that a little bit, about that inspiration of starting with a scientist specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, uh, kind of it was about uh, showing the passage of time, Um, you know, going, hearkening back to a peaceful time of Cybertron, uh, giving a little bit more of a hint of the mythology, the deep mythology that, that, uh, uh, you know, enriches all these characters. Uh, And um, 
I don't know. I mean, I I, uh, I think Daniel's definitely handling a lot of stuff where uh, we're going to see the Transformers, uh, you know, exploring Earth, learning about Earth. We talked about that at the panel, which was really cool. Um, with Void Rivals, uh, you know, it's kind of Transformers adjacent, so I'm not really uh, dealing firsthand with a lot of, like, uh, gosh, I don't want to spoil too much stuff. It'll, it'll yeah. be a very long time before the Void Rivals characters reach Earth. Right. If they ever do. Right. So, mm. so yeah. But I think humanity exists beyond Earth, right? I, not human beings, but the idea of personhood. Sure, yeah, oh, yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Aliens are people too. <laughs> so, Hashtag. So, uh, question for um, both of y'all real quick, right? Okay. So, um, from a gaming standpoint, we already see the success that y'all have with The Walking Dead, Telltale series, all types of things sure. like that. Um, could you ever see yourselves doing a zombie version of the Transformers world, what would a zombie Optimus Prime be like creatively? So I want to get that from you and from you. What I want to own. a drawing. Of. Yeah. <laughs> That's deceased. We're doing some deceased stuff up here. And, and I know, right? And, and from you, uh, um, also from um, a gaming standpoint, artistically, how would you like bring something like that to life? So I'll let you take that first. Sure. Look, I think that uh, one of the cool things about the Transformers is that they are aliens, and I think that their physiology definitely works differently than, than humans do. I don't even know if it's technically physiology because they're mechanical. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when you ask questions like that, I just feel like an idiot. Like, I'm trying how dumb I am all the time, and I just hate that. But uh, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like uh, the idea of zombie Transformers is kind of interesting because they don't really have life cycles like humans. They can die and they can be in a sense repaired in a certain way and so that's actually something that that would be kind of a neat thing to explore so there's not a finality to a, a, a zombie story if you were to uh, apply it to the Cybertronians makes say. me think of Return of Optimus Prime part one and two yeah he I mean, did. It's, you know the red yes and kind of it's kind of zombie-ish but not the same visuals obviously sorry yeah but no you're you're talking to yeah. <laughs> but uh, game wise you know like yeah. getting into that vibe I mean there was a, a Transformers video game with the with the G one character. I think it was for Xbox. Yes, uh, I'm, I'd probably do that. Oh, word! <laughs> I, I I didn't say it's exclusive, nothing like that. But I, I would love to see it because we have no rights to do any video games. Sean has to jump in here. Like, know, okay, right? we have to clarify this real quick that in the interview. No, no. <laughs> no tweets. <laughs> no, I know, right? All right. Yeah, right. Well, Robert, when I read uh, Void Rivals 1, even on the preview, I got this real vibe, and you mentioned in the panel about these races that have been at war so long, they, they kind of don't even know each other anymore. They're, they're, they're learning things. I got a real enemy mind vibe. I don't know if you yeah. that movie. Was that at all in your mind, like pulling on uh, an emotional movie like that based in science fiction? Science fiction is such a great tapestry to tell any number of stories. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the movie at a very early age, and uh, it was just like, a real like fantastic example of what science fiction stories can do because there was such a, a, a heart to that story and so much like emotion to it even though it was this like cool sci-fi thing and uh, you know as a kid my only experience with science fiction was you know li literally Star Wars at that point and so uh, to see what they were able to accomplish in that movie was really cool so in my mind was definitely like a, an inspiration and in the starting point of Void Rivals uh, possibly uh, a more obvious inspiration than I thought it was because uh, people do bring up uh, <laughs> quite a bit and I'm like yeah I mean I thought I was like 
putting a new shade on it. <laughs> I don't know. I should have tried harder. I don't know. But uh, uh, but it was definitely an inspiration. Um, and, but as a starting point, I think right. that as you see the story progress, issue after issue, uh, you know, there's it's it's going to be vastly different than anything that was you know set up or established in that movie. Uh, I had a question for Sean actually. Um, so when it came to actually Robert and Sean, um, when it came to <laughs> uh, you know the property came up and and you were mentioning in the panel that you had to kind of turn it around really quickly. I guess ultimately, what He's do you always th- complaining about? It. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it was about about Skybound's pitch that ultimately had Hasbro sign? I mean, like that that's a big swing to go for. It was my for art, prob- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just curious. Like, what, what did that what did that look like? And ultimately, like, why do you think Some Hasbro? Some of this for it? got publicized because Dan's art reps actually sold some of the pitch art that he used. But we, it was Robert's idea to solicit original art from the best creators we worked with to illustrate the story beats. Mm. So it's like Lorenzo actually did the proto boy rivals piece. Yeah, and then, Lorenzo, the better artist than Daniel. For <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert, right? Oh, I'm not. I, you know, I love you, Daniel. I'm just repeating what he what he said. Lorenzo also did an amazing Transformers piece. He did a Transformers piece. You know, we got David Finch to do an undisclosed piece. We got Martin Randolph to do an undisclosed piece, and Daniel did a piece. And that was just with Energon Universe stuff. Like we also pitched other product lines that hopefully we'll do in the future. But I think it was be matching the, the story with the visuals really helped yeah. communicate that. There's also like this is all here are the financial projections. This is how we think we, we could we could sell because that's obviously important if they're going to move on from a longtime partner. Um, we want to make sure that creatively and financially it was rewarding. Well, I'm sure it, it helped. An, it was an extremely extremely robust presentation that involved a, a lot of hard work from the team at Skybound, but. Uh, we really just we really just wanted to kind of hit Hasbro like over the head and be like this yeah. is this is what you're going to get from us this is the kind of effort. Also, they knew the timetable we were working in, and so I was like, I'm going to call in every favor I possibly can to get as many like original pieces and 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 there are drawings in that pitch of things that may happen in the Energon universe like years down the road. Uh, just to show. Sent what? one to my, my email from Sean. It's like, yeah. Here's what we're thinking for this character. And I recognized the pitch image from like uh, however many years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy how far out. Like, yeah, we like, wanted to say, like, hey, we got plans. These are the story beats we're going to Well, they don't, yeah, you don't want to run out of narrative uh, yeah. fuel like 18 months in, right? They want, they want to know it's a long stand. But even though I look at it now, there's like books that we pitched that like, we're like, oh, we're not even going to use that character for a while. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, and yeah. the, Originally, Boy Rivals was a one-shot, like an oversized one-shot, and then mm-hmm. I think Robert got oh, into yeah. the world and was like, "I want to be a miniseries." Like, no, it's an ongoing. Like it just like <laughs> it kept so going. So I kind of screwed up deadlines a little bit, but you know that's uh, that's how it's yeah, you know, I can make time. Yeah. You, you all spoke about your love for Transformers and GI Joe. Daniel's been sneaking in Optimus Prime into his work for years now, <laughs> but I'm curious to I'm curious to hear about what experience it might have been for you growing up specifically that influenced your love. For these characters, and then how that love might show its face in the upcoming series. Mm. That's a good question. You're, you're oh man, Josh? I'm just looking at this art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is in here reading the copy. Hey, give us something, bro. So good. I mean, you know, I don't know. I just really loved uh, the original cartoon series with J.I. Joe, and I was really into those toys. And I was really about just tapping into those things that I loved as a kid, right? Like that's one of the things I think about a lot when I'm working on this. And 
I always come back around to like, what did I like when I was a kid? And really, and really tapping into those feelings I had back then. You know, I mean, I, I was right in that, that window, right, as a kid, where it was like all that stuff was coming at the same time. You know, it was like a blessing, right? We had Transformers, G.I. Mm -hmm. Joe, you know, and mm. He-Man, all that stuff right in that window. It was so awesome to be a kid in that time. Um, you know, but I also, I come from like a military family, mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of the stuff, a lot of the iconography was like already in my house, right? Yeah. You know, it's like my grandpa fought World War II, my, my dad was in the military, you know, we had a lot of, it was in the house, you know, so it's like you have that plus this and then it's something where it's like when you are around that kind of family and then see this like version of it on TV as a kid, it just kind of really struck with me and it's something that when we started uh, talking about this again, like, you know, when he reached out to me, he doesn't remember this, we were just saying this, but like a long time ago he asked me, he was like, what license books did you ever want to work on? And I said, G.I. Joe, you mm -hmm. know, it was because something that was always kind of in my head. Um, and so yeah, it was something that we started talking about it. and it's been really fun working on it and actually kind of revisiting those feelings and thinking about myself in that window of like, why did I love it? Like, you know, like going back and thinking about why did I love these things while I'm working on it. It's been, it's been really fun. I, I think the, the tonal thing that, that Robert had nailed earlier was like, this is the memory. Like, we're recreating these memories. So, you know, sometimes you can yeah. go back and watch this stuff and it's like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. I'm not talking about, that's not Hasbro specifically. But so we're reconstructing and hopefully elevating it. Like, we're actually making what you think you experienced as a child. But now as an adult, you're like, oh, there's some deeper emotions, deeper storytelling and mythology that lines up. Just what Robert did with... Walking Dead was sort of like his memories of watching the Romero movies and transplanting mm -hmm. into contemporary mm -hmm. storytelling. So. One of my favorite Robert to give you back pay because really you were working on GI Joe. Oh as a yeah, kid for a long time. There's no contract for that. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things that you said during the panel is you know you look back at those properties and it really was all about the heart and you mm -hmm. called out Larry yeah. Hama and the incredible work that he did and then you know Dan is talking about you know Autobots not leaving tread on Earth and you're exploring something deeper than I think that we've seen in the, from these properties, these licenses, in the movies and other comic book publishers. And that's what's so exciting to me. Can you drill down a little bit into exploring the heart of these properties? Well, I think, um, well, I'll just say like, uh, you know, I was, I was eight years old when Transformers the movie came out. Mm. And so to go into a movie theater, uh, <coughs> loving a cartoon series, knowing <coughs> these characters, and, you know, seeing the, the tragedy of watching these characters' demise on screen in a theater, uh, you know, it was an amazing, like, experience as an eight-year-old. And so, you know, you just have to recognize the, the depth of these characters. I, I, I see them. Yeah, it might be. I hope not. That's why you gotta have a bottle of water on you. Yeah. <laughs> He's recorded. He's recorded. We're good. Yeah, yeah. We're we, we've got him covered. This is gonna yeah. be a real awkward yeah. Yeah. later on. Geekly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, grinds pretty yeah, good though. Not their first experience with like, oh shit, this is that. Yeah, like, as a generation of kids that was in that theater, I remember that being there, and you're. It blew my mind. That is the first time I think I ever experienced something like that. First time I cried in a movie theater, mm. for sure. Oh, my dad, wow. My dad for still real? makes fun of me for it. <laughs> wow. That's, that's special, though. That's special. Yeah. You were, yeah, you were too is. old for uh, Sesame Street Fall That Bird, which was mm. the most emotionally. <laughs> yes. People were falling after that movie. It was the loveliest. Yeah, that movie's messed up. I think, I think for me, uh, you know, obviously childhood again. I mean, it cannot be escaped when talking about these characters and these properties. Um, but, you know, there's just something special about seeing the cartoon for me. Uh, in the early 90s, I was watching the reruns. I was born too late to see them. 
on TV when they're actually coming Stop out. Stop bragging. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all these other guys are too old, but me, I'm the young one here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, watching the reruns and, like, being, uh, I don't know whether, I, I'm trying to put my finger on what it was that, like, got me so into the, into the Transformers, looking at this TV screen, because, I mean, the, I've tried to rewatch the show, I mean, <laughs> It's fine, but it's like not amazing. Wrong. <laughs> Hold on, you know, it's incorrect just for for uh, I guess uh, kind of as an adult and a storyteller looking back, I I'm like I was like struggling to pull out the meaning from these TV shows, you know, as mm-hmm. an adult. But I remember the feeling I had when I was a kid, and I was like, this was life changing, and uh, I don't know, there's something special there, something magical, and so it's almost kind of a exploration. I mean, this is artsy fartsy but it feels a little bit like an exploration of self to work on the book mm. and uh, I wish I could answer your question better but I'm honestly I'm, I'm in the middle of the journey yeah. Yeah. I, I love what oh you go ahead well, I was going to say one of the things that's been difficult with this and I was telling her leaving it's like because of so much that happens in Duke and Cobra Commander spins out of Transformers I actually can't talk about a lot of stuff mm. correct right I can't talk about a lot of stuff without spoiling things in Transformers but I promise you like I, I really went into a lot of like the heads of both of those characters and started really thinking about, you know, and I, get, I, I put a lot of thought into it. I'll yeah. just put it like that. I really went into the psychology of those characters and, and started building out from, from there. But I can't say too much without ruining all this stuff. But uh, just give it a couple know. months. I yeah, like yeah, months. the idea of starting at the beginning of G.I. Joe and with Duke having a crisis of faith mm-hmm. because it's at the beginnings of things where we have to like find our principles and like what we are trying to create and i think like especially updating the gi joes for the current climate you know mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. like what principles are essential to make a gi joe a gi joe and where do you feel like there's a little bit room for a little bit more uh, growth or exploration and then also with the autobots coming to earth she's coming at me with the real thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she doesn't yeah. mess around no, I don't, no, let's not talk to them before they've got me a couple of times and i'm like all right let's do it <laughs> so with, the, with the autobots coming to earth they already have their own set of principles yes. where they have to that's fold true. in this whole other way that's of yeah, life yeah, yeah. that's true yeah. Yeah. i mean we see that yeah so, <laughs> oh, this is a writer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was just thinking, I was just thinking, I was just thinking, I love it, I love it. I want to hear Josh's response. Yeah, I'll be here. Because, you know, Duke really is going through a crisis of faith, and he's, he's, uh, alright, so Cobra Commander and Duke, Cobra Commander and Duke, they both believe in certain things. Mm-hmm. And those things get extremely tested throughout this. And it is a journey about both of them going through that test. That's the most I can say. Uh, oh. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say something real quick. So, like, it's the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, I want to ask y'all, with the cross between Transformers and G.I. Joe, what rap group would Transformers be? Mm-hmm. What rap group would G.I. Joe be if they battled each other and who would win? Oh my god, I gotta think about it. I, I, think, like... I think Mac is gonna give the best answer. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's say um, the Transformers, the Autobots, are Boogie Down Productions. Oh, what? G.I. Joe is the Juice Crew. Oh my god! 
I'm not gonna break down who's who. I gotta think more about that. Perfect. But we're gonna go back to like you know very early. You know. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you say Boogie Down Productions, that's supposed to be Transformers. My my opinion, I think Boogie Down to get that. Like Chaos yeah. One. I mean, like I mean, come on, man. I love. I mean, my my wife's from Queens. I live in Queens for a while, but BDP. BD I mean. Harris Wan and Optimus Prime. He's got a little bit more of an attitude, but he's, he's a teacher. You know? <laughs> he's a teacher. <laughs> Yo, that was an epic answer, bro. You should draw that. One more question. One more question. Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, yeah, Josh, and, and maybe Robert can chime in as well. Starting you know, from the beginning with G.I. Joe and starting with the two central characters, one of the things that really makes G.I. Joe work, though, is the interaction between the characters. So how much of a, uh, of a challenge is it that you don't get to have a larger cast early on? Uh, it wasn't really that much of a challenge. I mean, dude, it's a big cast no matter what. I mean, both groups are huge. <laughs> right. Like, both groups are huge, dude. I mean, and, and I, don't, I can't spoil too much. Both groups I'm are sorry, huge, Josh, dude. It's so tough. I, I, I know what you're yeah, it is. With. Both, both groups are, are, are huge rough. groups. And like I said, I think with... I mean, I, with, 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 I'll say this about Cobra Commander and about Cobra, like, you always love watching those characters interact with each other. Right. And us in the exactly. panel with that group over there, it's like, you know, we're going to show how that group came together. So, you know, that's, well, we'll get there. We'll but get there. But it's crazy the because Void Rivals leads to Transformers, Transformers leads to G.I. Joe, and it's not until Duke, number one, and Cobra Commander, number one, are actually, like, in stores and read by people that you can talk about yeah, no, I can really, so much because mm -hmm. the starting really get points into it, yeah. are... Are really a big deal, like what's going on in the Duke yeah, story, where the Cobra Commander exactly. starts, where, where like the the opening scenes of Cobra Commander, I think are really going to blow people away. The angle that we're choosing, the way we're doing these things, uh, yeah. it's 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 going to be uh, very unique and and uh, uh, it's just it's just difficult that we literally can't. Yeah. Say that. But, but you're you going to see how the, they're more the, connected as we go. Like they're very they're very connected. We can't say that blowtorch is the focus. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can say that the meat of the story is still in the interactions. Between those characters. But we'll get there. I mean, that's one thing I said on the panel, yeah. right? Like, one of the most difficult things for me through this whole process has been patience. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we have to kind of ask with this, or you're going to have to be patient. But we'll, we'll get there, but it is about showing these things, and then we will get to those moments. And then you might be surprised. With, like, okay, actually, you might be surprised when some <laughs> interactions happen. It might, it might surprise you. you will. That's right. That's the most I can say. <laughs> okay. It might surprise you when some okay. of interactions take place. I'm so excited. Right? So, yeah. uh, the most difficult thing I've had to do is uh, learn how to draw the freaking Autobot logo right. I mean, it's the commitment yeah. to not just like using a, a, a yeah, Hasbro no asset and just dropping that in. No way. That's drawing it every time. It's like whenever you see a street sign get letter by letter, it's usually just like, doesn't <laughs> 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 look like textured or, or uh, all that. So he's yeah. Where, where wow. I'm getting there. I was I was in Chicago and I visited him and he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this right. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, there's like, sounds like, he's like, I don't got the focus, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But it's still look good. It's better than like anything I've ever seen. The trick so. is drawing the logos in perspective. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. From far away, close up. You're earning that Eisner, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next Thank you. Yeah. Has anybody got any other questions real quick that we can slip in? We talked about hip-hop side of things. What music is playing in your head, Daniel, now when you're doing art? It's like so like obvious, but like that '86 like soundtrack, it's incredible. Like from, from the original cartoon mm -hmm. movie, um, like Stan Bush obviously, and then also like Vince DiCola has like probably like 
it's on my top soundtracks of all time. Like wow. his electronic music is, it's special and it really holds up. And I think I might need to make a heavy metal cover of one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, that would be that was a probably not your style, but there was a limited vinyl release of the original score from the eighties cartoon. Oh That's I bought not it. in the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to that thing all the time. So it's good. the greatest. Thank oh, you. Guys, I actually have to pull Daniel because he has to go down the way. No, no, no. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. This is fantastic. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Always. Thank you. That's crazy. Jeremy, that was probably one of the coolest con experiences I have I've ever had. And we've had some cool ones. You were in an elevator with Stan Sakai. <laughs> I had I had a five minute long stroll just conversating with Stan Sakai at one. I mean, it's been in the last six months. You've had a lot of really cool comic experiences, Lance. Yeah, I I do not take for granted all of the things that I've been able to do recently. And it, and it's because honestly, because of you, Jeremy, because of the geekly grind that I've been able to do all this stuff. So thank you. <laughs> of course. And thank you, question mark, for introducing me to comics. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if my wife would thank you, but I thank you. So <laughs> I am grateful. I am very happy about where my life is. Your bank account is not happy with me for where your life is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I blame you. No. Yeah. Um, sure. But it's it, it was really a, an awesome experience for sure. Um, I've had I've been in my share of roundtables in the past and definitely appreciated the caliber of the talent here. Obviously, as you mentioned before, Kirkman is a force uh, unto himself. Like the man created Walking Dead and Invincible at the same time, which is crazy. Uh, And when you think about, you know, comic properties that have spun into successful commercial enterprises, like the Walking Dead really set the bar, right? And so, um, just having an opportunity to be in the room with Kirkman and of course uh, getting to spend some more time with Daniel Warren Johnson and, um, and getting to connect with Josh and there and everything else. It was a really, really uh, cool experience to be sure. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about some of the things that they brought up because there are some really interesting information that we got. Uh, I think one of the quick things since, since we're already on Kirkman is the fact that when void rivals was being created, it was supposed to be an oversized one shot. But then it turned into uh, like a, a limited series. And then it just evolved into part of what the Energon universe is, is now. So I'm curious what the, the vision was for a one shot for these characters. And what was the catalyst that spun it off into this universe? I wish we had been able to ask that question. Like what, what like sparked in his head? To be like, no, 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 this needs to be part of a universe, not only with Transformers, but G.I. Joe. Yeah, I don't know. And and again, the timeline can be a little blurry, but I'm wondering if Void Rivals, because he talks about in the interview, right, how how Enemy Mine was a very early influence on Void Rivals. And so I part of me wondered, you know, maybe Kirkman was working on Void Rivals even before like well before 
they had acquired Transformers formerly or G.I. Joe formerly. And, you know, so that's why it was a one shot at first, because he just wanted to kind of tell the sci fi story with the inspiration of Enemy Mind, which those who aren't familiar, it's a kind of like a cornerstone of sci fi involving two enemy races that have been at war with each other for literally so long that neither side remembers why it's they're fighting in the first place. Um, and there's like time travel involved. And it's it's just kind of a wacky, very, uh, very somber uh, story. And I highly recommend you go check it out if you have not. But that's kind of what I was getting from that was this idea that, you know, Void Rival started out as a one shot inspired by Enemy Mine, and then the properties were acquired. And then Kirkman just thought, okay, or or as they were working to acquire the properties, like, okay, this, like, this is how we can tell the bigger story, you know, with the way that Kirkman kind of spins out those larger universes and creates those those bigger things. So that that's sort of my headcanon <laughs> on 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 how how that happened but um we'll see how close to reality that is yeah it had to have been figured out so long ago though like because the the end of void rivals is the introduction of transformers and clearly there's going to be a heavy influence in on transformers lore being a part of a, a part of void rivals period because there's things in issue 2 that also relate to transformers yeah I'm so excited to see where Void Rivals goes. I, you just let me know that Skybound already sent us over the digital review copy for issue three. It's so in your I'm, inbox. It's in your ooh. inbox, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to read that right after we finish recording this. <laughs> Sweet. But, but we, we, we got to hear a little bit about the pitch to Hasbro in this round table. And because we knew that Daniel had done promotional art because Felix comic art had actually sold off some of, of that promotional art, which in the interview uh, didn't sound like Skybound might have been too happy about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the kind of word getting out a little bit sooner than they might have wanted. But yes. the the piece is stunning. Go to Felix Comic Art social media. Just let's try and browse through Transformers art. And there is a huge, it looks like it was an 11 by 17 of one of the coolest transformer layouts I've ever seen. Definitely go look it up. But we learned that it wasn't just Daniel doing art for this pitch, but a host of other creators. We heard the names of David Finch and uh, uh, Kari Randolph that were a part of the pitch as well. And I feel like there were quite a few other names that they mentioned and probably a lot of names they didn't want to mention for potential future work on, on these other properties. Yeah. And that's definitely what kind of got my ears perked up as well, because, you know, um, Sean mentioned how this was part of the pitch um, and not even just about around the or rather these art pieces were around just the Energon universe, not even mentioning some of the other pitches that were made for other projects right, that they hope to bring to to life at some point like the phrasing was something like that right so um that definitely had me interested like oh like tell me more (laughs) you know i would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit yeah so that perked my ear up too to the point where i needed to look up what other properties hasbro has that skybound might be interested in licensing for a comic because this is gonna these are gonna be things that some might show up in the Energon universe, but others could be, just be kind of their own thing. And 
Jeremy, I'm going to, I'm going to list off a few of these. And there's one in particular that I'm very intrigued by. So obviously we know Hasbro owns GI Joe transformers. That's what the original pitch was for to get Mm -hmm. along with other things. So we got that down. Gem and the holograms is also (laughs) one of theirs. Uh, Littlest pet shop monopoly, my little pony nerf Peppa pig PJ masks play school Tonka. Then we also get mask, uh, which is basically just GI Joe and transformers combined, which was another, another one of those shows at the time. Uh, Ouija board Rom, the space Knight, is also owned by Hasbro. How uh, interesting. Super interesting. Dude, I could totally see DWJ doing a ROM one shot. <laughs> that would be dope. But here's here's the big kicker, Jeremy. Uh, what's the franchise that I talk about potentially more than anything else? Power Rangers? Hasbro owns Power Rangers. Oh. And if I love I love Boom's Power Rangers. And friend of the show, Melissa Flores, recently on the podcast when we did the SDCC interview, she's currently writing Power Rangers. I want her to have as long of a run at Boom with Power Rangers as she could ever potentially want. But the idea of Power Rangers and Transformers having a crossover is one of the most exciting things that has ever crossed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely um that's that's super exciting although like some of the other uh gem in the holograms for some reason my brain is stuck on that oh man uh just just powerful 80s 80s vibes looking back at some of that stuff um i wish chris daly was here i bet he would uh he would appreciate it even more than me but yeah no that's uh that's super exciting to think about in terms of uh some power rangers action as well but as you mentioned Boom is doing some fantastic work with with Power Rangers, and I'm sure they'll continue to uh, do right by the franchise. But if that ever changes or if they're ever ready to hand off the baton or even uh, collaborate, I think that would be a fantastic, uh, fantastic result. I think I even pitched a Transformers. I did. In a recent episode, my what if was what if Transformers like crossed over with Power Rangers? And it was the Zords became more sentient because of the AllSpark, and then the Zords go on a mission to save the Rangers along with the Autobots. I've already created this thing. <laughs> Man, expect your check in the mail. I bet Sean Heckwick is going to be like, oh no, this is a problem. <laughs> He's going to have to send somebody. I already have it posted, Sean Makowitz. It's out there. <laughs> he has people. He can make it disappear. <laughs> he can't make it disappear very much so. Or, or, or just put my name in the book. I don't care. I don't need That's money. Fine. I just need my name in the book. That's all I care about. Uh, another name that quickly came up that Hasbro also owns is the Micronauts, which I could absolutely also be seeing be involved in this universe. Yeah, micro, Micronauts would be an interesting uh, fold in as well, for sure. Yeah. So that was just some some really exciting things that came out of it. Kind of get the juices flown as far as what could potentially be coming down the line for Skybound and not just the Energon universe, but could they be making a whole different universe on the side with these other like Mask and Micronauts could probably go together very well if they wanted to do their own thing. I just want Capcom to sell Mega Man's license <laughs> to a comic company that'll put out a sick comic. Like 
I just want more Mega Man comics in my life. Of course you do. I know it's totally, I, I know it's totally tangential, but we're talking about different properties and I'm just like, I don't know. I want that property to go somewhere. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Something else that was mentioned was the fact that the first time Robert Kirkman ever cried in the theater was during the Transformers movie and he still made fun of it by his father. Peace. Uh, remember Prime Day is when we remember <laughs> Prime falling for all of us. No. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's no uh, no shame in that. I didn't get why people were making fun of him. I think that's a perfectly uh, reasonable. He was eight years old, eight years old when it came out. I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable uh, movie to cry at. I'm 38 years old and I would cry at it too. So. <laughs> uh, something else that was brought up was something that Joshua Williamson spoke about, about GI Joe. When I asked the question about how the love that they have for these properties would, would show itself or be apparent in this work. Uh, Joshua Williamson, like we mentioned before, is going to be writing Cobra commander as well as uh, it's Duke, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Duke and uh, Cobra Commander. Yeah. yeah. He he talked about how his grandfather was in World War II. His father was also in the military. So the the military lifestyle was just around him. So G.I. Joe definitely is is close to home as far as being having individuals of service around you and what being of service to your country means. And I'll be honest, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, G.I. Joe is not a property I've ever cared for it's nothing that i've ever really wanted to get into i didn't like care for the toys because again 90s kid but as soon as he said that something sparked in my brain because my grandfather also served in world war ii but he never i i didn't get to meet him he passed away before i was born i only know one story that and it was only one story he ever told my dad because he never wanted to talk about his time in the military because things were not great over in Japan. It, it hit me harder at that point because now I'm thinking when I read G.I. Joe, I, my instant thought was I can, I can put my grandfather into the shoes of the Joes and view him as a hero in this way. And I know that's ridiculous, like a ridiculous concept, but being able to connect to a property in in a way that I've never thought I would be able to connect to honestly made me even more excited to read this, this series. I think that's, that's an excellent call out. And honestly, this was uh, something that I'm hoping Lisa can follow up with um, in a, in a future episode of comic book couples counseling, maybe. Uh, But her question on basically, you know, what principles make up, the Joes, right? Like what, what, you know, how, how do they define themselves? Um, Because, you know, the way that they're constructing the GI Joe universe is from the beginning of both the Joes um, and and, uh, obviously the, the Cobra commander on both sides of the coin, right? So we have Duke who leads the Joes and we have the Cobra commander and how they're both going to be experiencing a crisis of faith in the words of of Josh Williamson. And uh, for the things that they respectively believe in, uh, it's almost Gosh, what's the word? I mean, I don't want to say like predictable or cliche or anything like that, but you know, I think at, at any point, and and I say this as as someone who obviously does not have military experience, but I would imagine uh, that that a crisis of faith and devotion and uh, following orders and that sort of thing, like I imagine every soldier would be able to relate to 
those feelings, right? And and those the, that kind of conflict. And even if you don't have those experiences, right, to be able to experience that in, in a sort of parasocial way. So despite like reading the story, right, which is what good comics do, they help you to like put yourself in the shoes of somebody else's uh, experience in somebody else's life um, so that you can get a better understanding of it. So um, I, you know, I, I was an 80s kid. Um, I had, I had GI Joe's. I watched GI Joe cartoons, um, so I had a little bit more of, of GI Joe in in my life. Uh, also, kind of you know in the form of um, the Saturday morning cartoons because they also had those little shorts uh, during the Saturday morning cartoons with the Joes of like you know don't don't play with fire and like you know be a good neighbor <laughs> and be a good student like you know all those things that are like go Joe. Um, but, you know, so that was a little bit more in, in my childhood than yours, I think, Lance. But yeah, I, even still, you know, like I didn't I didn't stay particularly close to those things. And so I also am really excited to to see this kind of renaissance, in, not only for Transformers, but also um, for G.I. Joe's, uh, especially with the uh, end credit scene uh, from Rise of the Beasts that we also discussed not too long ago as well. I mean, just kind of taking all of those things together and. They talked about that, too. <laughs> and uh, Sean talked about that, too, which was like they did not know that that was going to happen until like, what do you say, like two weeks before? Yeah, it wasn't very long before the movie came out. Yeah. So like Skybound is making these huge plans to relaunch Transformers, to re- reinvigorate G.I. Joe, etc. And then Rise of the Beast comes out and is like, yeah, sure, Transformers movies have been a thing, but like. The idea that that's going to be a more of a cinematic universe just is so well timed and honestly gives me even more hope for some really fun summer movies and tying it into the comics and everything else. So I'm, I'm excited for where all of these stories are headed. I really hope that the the movie studio side of things will also be reaching out to the comic creators for potential ideas, like if there can be some collaboration, because the more influence that the creators that are tied to the Energon universe have on the movie production side of things, I am all for, because these are phenomenal creators that have come up with some of the greatest stories in recent history within comic books. Let's, let's, let's communicate. Let's talk. Let's get these Transformer GI Joe crossover movies a little bit more pumped up with comic creator influence. I'm all for that. The only other thing that I wanted to mention was the fact that near the end, there was like, does anybody have like a last minute question to ask? And I had to throw out a question for Daniel, specifically because I know music influences his creative process so much. He is a very talented musician. He created two albums that you can listen to that go along with his Murder Falcon comic. They It's shredded to life and shredded to death. Both are amazing. They're they're. They are so much fun to listen to and epic in every way. And when I asked that question, like, what what do you find yourself listening to? And of course, he mentioned like the music from Transformers. And then the thing that got me really excited was that he he wants to make a metal version of those songs. And a metal version of Transformers is something I need in my life. Uh, I am a fan of some metal music like it's not really a genre that i normally listen to but um after all of the hype that you've given uh i obviously adored murder falcon one of my top five 
but uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to those yet. So I think I need to go and do that while you're, while you're reading void rivals three, I will go and listen to those. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I feel like I do have to apologize to Daniel in this episode as well, because I told him when he came onto our show that the first question I would ever ask Robert Kirkman was where is my murder Falcon animated series? And I failed. I didn't do it because I was scared to make Robert Kirkman mad at me in a round table. Well, I made Daniel mad at me in the round table because <laughs> I, I repeated back what Robert Kirkman had said about Lorenzo as an artist. But anyway, um, we're, we're all out there making, making friends slash enemies slash frenemies at round table. It's okay. We finished the round table and we were trying to figure out when Daniel had his next signing so that we could get our black and white transformer variant signed. And he's like, Oh no, I'll just do it right now. And he just signed him right there in front of us. Such, such a blessing. So we got that. I got to tell Robert Kirkman that I had finally found the final issue I needed to complete my invincible run. I got a picture with Robert Kirkman because I figured I would never be in a room with him ever again, potentially. So I had to take that shot, but this was one of the greatest comic conventions I've ever been to. The the amount of amount of fun that we got to have with our friends there, all the things we got to do, the various interviews, and our interviews aren't even done yet because you will hear Jeremy and I once again doing a breakdown of Daniel Friedman's various comic titles, Bird King, Raiders, as well as Kali, because I did an interview with Daniel at San Diego Comic-Con, and we're going to build up that episode. We're going to talk about all of his work and then you can also hear a little bit about how those stories came to be, how the the creative partners ended up being together. So be on the lookout for that. You should also be on the lookout for Brad and Lisa's episode about this roundtable as well. They're going to be releasing theirs on Friday, August 18th, 2023. So when you're listening to this, if it's first day, it's Wednesday. So you only have to wait two days and you're going to get another breakdown. And their breakdown, I guarantee you, is going to be completely different and with way different insights because I don't know how they do it, but they come up with some of the greatest questions I've ever heard asked of creators in their interviews. And I'm interested to hear what they took from this interview as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I um always a pleasure to to spend time with Brad and Lisa. Uh Brad and Lisa, if y'all are listening to this, we love you guys. Had a great time at Comic-Con hanging out uh and absolutely asking some great questions. Uh I cannot wait to to hear y'all unpack more of that uh and hopefully bring on uh this immensely uh, talented crew. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe some other people might be showing up on our podcast. We'll put it out in the universe. Well, let's put it out in the Energon universe that Maybe we get a few creators on our show as well. I mean, Daniel's been here before. Maybe we can get Joshua Williamson. I doubt we can get Kirkman because he's super busy. (laughs) (laughs) Kirkman, come on down. 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes of your time. I completed Invincible. That gets me an automatic. It gets you 10 minutes. Well, you used it all up at the round table. (laughs) I actually, I owe him 10 minutes because we did the 20 minute round table. I'm in debt right now. You're in debt with him. Yes, you are in indentured servitude. That's rough. Oh, not looking forward to that. All right. Well, (laughs) it's time to close the book on this issue of the San Diego Comic-Con Energon Universe Roundtable. So until next time, this is Lance. And Jeremy. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer.